0: Hello, welcome back to the Bass Lessons Melbourne Player Profile podcast. This is episode number 55 and also the first one of 2020. Um, Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks for coming back and checking out the podcast. I hope you had a good um, festive period full of music, food, and fun. Um, Really happy to be back into the podcast this year. Uh, My guest for this first episode um, of 2020 is Max Moran, a young bass player from, well, I say young, uh, everything's relative, (laughs) Um, from the States, um, primarily grew up in New Orleans and Louisiana. Louisiana. Um, so we talk a little bit about that uh, that musical stew pot down there, second line, etc. Um, we discuss his early musical influences from D'Angelo and System of a Down to Christian McBride and the influence that he had on him when he met him at an early age. And we also chat about his uh, solo album, uh, Max Moran and Neospectric, which is an awesome, funky. Um, contemporary uh, offering that I highly encourage you to um, check out. I'll put a link for that album in the the show notes so be sure to support Max and his music if you like what you hear. Um, Once again Thank you to FBass for sponsoring this podcast. Um, you can find them at www.fbass.com. They have been handcrafting guitars and basses for over 40 years, offering vintage and contemporary inspired designs. And uh, the music that you're listening to in the background is a track called The Croft from my band Pickpocket's recent album called Permutations, which I'll also put a link to in the show notes. Um, As always, if you enjoy this podcast it really helps um, get the word out if you can like, subscribe, share, all this kind of stuff on social media, tell your bass player friends, send me an email info at Bass Lessons Melbourne if you've got any suggestions or questions. All of these interviews are also available on the Bass Lessons Melbourne YouTube channel which you can find um, to search for Bass Lessons Melbourne and it should come up so you can actually uh, see what um, we look like (laughs) if you want Um, and um, sometimes there's some extended uh, jam videos up there as well. Without further ado, here is episode 55, Max Moran. what's happening? This is Craig here from Bass Lessons Melbourne, and for today's player profile video, I am joined by Mr. Max Moran. How you doing? How's it going, man? Good. Thanks, thanks for coming over.
1: Oh, thank you, man.
0: Um, welcome to Melbourne. Thanks again. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, you had a good week here so far.
1: Everything's everything's great. Yeah. And yeah. I, I was telling you in, in the car, but yeah. Uh, these guys, didn't yeah.
0: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> they weren't privy to that conversation. Right, right. Uh, no, Melbourne's Melbourne's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I'm having a good time. Yeah. Um, now you're from Louisiana originally, is that right? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I was originally born in a
1: small town called Cane River. It's about four hours like outside of New Orleans, but um, I mostly grew up, grew up in New Orleans. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The small town there was just nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful,
0: but Yeah. You know, just rural. Like Did country. you go to school there and stuff? Or I mean like you say mostly grew up in New Orleans. Did you move
1: I moved there when I when I was ten. Right. To New Orleans, yeah. Okay. So
0: And were you playing music already at that point or?
1: Um Yeah, actually my my parents uh had me in like violin lessons oh. when I was five. <sighs> Five-year-old playing violin.
0: Yeah, it must have been painful for all involved. It was.
1: <laughs> I didn't really like violin, uh, and I, I didn't really like practicing. My mom would like stand next to me to make sure I would practice. Yeah. That uh, was
0: like I, I used to do piano lessons as well, and same thing. I'm grateful for it now. Totally. But at the time, it's just like this is lame. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but I did. I did.
1: You know. I like. I, even though I didn't really enjoy practicing because it felt like a chore i did like when things would start to sound good you know it's like oh practicing's not so bad like this yes yeah. this sounds like music now yeah. yeah
0: if i do this then this yeah but doing that is the hard part right yeah there's no shortcuts no with, with any musical instrument right yeah so how long did you stick at violin for uh when i when i was
1: 10 i started playing guitar Okay. And then play guitar for two, I guess about two years, maybe three. And yeah, about three years.
0: Was it just a guitar in the house or?
1: My dad had a guitar. Um, He still has it. He had like a a, a nice guitar, like a Les Paul. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was nice enough to like let me mess around with it. Uh, and then my, my first guitar teacher was like, "No, that thing's too nice. Like you, <laughs> <laughs> you need to get
0: something crappy so you can earn right work your way up." Yeah, he's like, "You
1: gotta <laughs> you gotta buy him like something less expensive and put that thing back in the case <laughs> until he's older." Uh, so I, I got like this little Dan Electro guitar. Oh, Okay, um, but I didn't I didn't get that far <clears throat> on guitar. I just learned a couple chords and was yeah. learning a lot of like rock songs like yeah. System of a Down. Oh,
0: that that era of rock yeah, yeah dig it dig it dig it dig it dig it dig it yeah
1: <laughs> that was that was my jam I probably I probably learned like you know most of the songs on that record you know? what was
0: it Chop Suey was that the uh-huh,
1: uh huh Uh was it Toxicity Toxicity it was, yeah. yeah uh and I started playing bass when I was like 13 mhm mhm um actually with the guitar player that's that I'm playing with here mhm his name's Cliff Hines. Um, that was like my first band that I was in when I was a bass pl- as a bass player. Yeah, yeah. Like he needed a bass player, and I'd been thinking about switching to bass. And then his like neighbor was selling a
0: bass. So it all oh, worked out. Yeah. <laughs> what was the name of that band? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Because high school band names are always quite yeah. funny.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I can't even remember. it. Th- I remember one of the names that was like thrown around was four stripe. <laughs> yeah, it's stupid. Because because one of us had like these fake Adidas shoes yeah, that stripes. had four stripes on them. <laughs> but I don't think I don't think that's the, even the name that stuck. I can't think of the name now.
0: But yeah, it, that's that's good enough. Four stripe. Yeah. <laughs> And so was that doing like System of a Down stuff or yeah
1: yeah, like yeah. rock rock songs? Hard rock. Cliff had some originals okay, and then we also did covers like the Vines and the the Hives. You Strokes, know yeah, yeah
0: the- <laughs> all of the the bands, yeah, <laughs> the Killers, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah, it was the, it was that era.
0: So you were you were like a, a rock kid.
1: I liked rock a lot, yeah. Um, at that time, you know. um... Actually, like some of my, the first stuff I listened to was like D'Angelo. Okay. Um, and my, my parents listened to like all kind of different music. Especially, yeah. um, uh, my mom like Willie Nelson or like uh, Motown and stuff. Mm. My dad listened to like opera, blues, jazz, mm-hmm. fusion. Like he was into everything. So it's
0: quite a spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So. He's a he's a big music <clears throat> appreciator, but then, yeah, it's something you know, something about that that time in your life when you're all angsty. Yeah, and full t- of teenage boy for sure. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, I was the same when I was that age. I was I was playing more like the Metallica, Pantera mm-hmm. stuff. That's where I started out, mm-hmm. kind of playing bass. Yeah, um, but I mean, you're in New Orleans. Like, what about second line and? Mm-hmm. And all of that, was that on your radar, that wasn't cool?
1: Um, no, it, it was. It was actually, like, I, I still to this day would, would like to, like, start playing tuba at some point. Because, yeah. like, I love brass band. So that you can
0: walk down the street and play? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I love brass band music, but, like, <clears throat> they never need a bass player, so I can't really, you know, yeah. uh, participate. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, and then when I was, like, 15... Or maybe thirteen. I don't know. When I started high school, I went to a a conservatory high school in New Orleans
0: for for music. Mm -hmm. Oh, Uh, so did you have to audition for that? Or yeah, yeah. You auditioned on on
1: bass, Um, and then that's when I started playing upright too. And so I got more into jazz. Proper bass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some people will say the, the yeah, real yeah. bass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I don't agree with. Okay. <laughs> they're both They're both proper. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so you're a conservator of music, so that's. Kind of, is that really where you kind of decided that you wanted to be a musician? Or mm-hmm. I mean, was that always on the cards? How did you... Uh, it was yeah,
1: it was a decision because like going to that school, they didn't have academics, so you would only go for half of the day, and then the first half of the day, we had to I had to go to a different school.
0: <clears throat> oh, okay.
1: And so like freshman year, I think I was in school every day until like six p.m. or something, you know. So I was like, I know this is gonna be hard. It's gonna be like a lot of work, you know. I got to do my homework from a regular school. I got to like practice. I got to you know. I was like, if I'm if I'm gonna like do this, if I'm gonna go to this school, then like I'm gonna be. If you're gonna a put musician. in
0: put in all that time and effort, then it's not going to be for nothing. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah
0: so and did, did most students, you know, continue on to play music or? I don't know if I'd say most, but probably about half. Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, a good number of the guys are like in my class. I still play with like yeah. Joe Dyson, Cliff Hines, they're they're both in the band that I'm here with and we we they're full-time musicians and hmm. you know, we've been playing since high school. We still play together.
0: So there, there wasn't like a plan B or I oh, you know if it doesn't work out I'll go and whatever.
1: Mm-mm. No. I didn't. Like my 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 dad is an artist. Right. So a, a visual artist. Yeah. Um so he was supportive. Of, That's good me wanting to be an artist, you know, yeah. and, and my mom too, you know, they never, every now and then they might hint at like, you know, are you making enough money, are you sure?
0: That's, you know? that's what parents are there for, I think, you know. Yeah, I think that, that's good, you know, to have, just always have that in the back of your mind as well, you know, don't just throw everything to the wind and just be, you know, you, you, you got to live. Yeah. So, and we're, we're fortunate enough that we work in an industry where we can do what we love Mm -hmm. and hopefully get paid for it Mm -hmm. as well you know it's the the holy grail it's when both those things collide when you're playing the music you want to play and getting paid for it totally so you so your dad kind of started only feeding you once a day when you said you wanted to be a musician just to get you (laughs) this is what it's going to feel like (laughs) get used to this yeah no more new clothes
1: (laughs) (laughs) no yeah man they, they were just they were really cool about it um you know, like I said, they, they made me think to be sure, but they were never like, oh no, you gotta get a real job,
0: you know? Like, you gotta buy a house and you gotta, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Very um, mm-hmm. And so, when you were kind of 13, 14, 15, who were the kind of bass player guys that you were checking out? Um,
1: I liked Mingus, Charles Mingus. Okay. That was the first upright player that I really liked. Were you doing electric at all at school or just upright? I was both. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I had a really awesome teacher. Um, who's, he's? I still consider him my teacher. His name's Chris Severin. Mm-hmm. And he plays the crap out of both bases. Mm-hmm. So it You can was, swear it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I not know if it was, uh, you know, peachy. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so that was really cool to have him as, like, kind of a role model of, like, I don't have to pick one, you know, because he can do both extremely well. Um, and then uh, I liked Jocko. I liked... Um, who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's his real name? I I
0: should... John Francis.
1: John Francis. <laughs> the story is the third. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, who else?
0: Jocko, uh, Ming is... I mean, I guess in terms of doublers, I would, guys that come to mind would maybe be Christian McBride. Yeah. um, John Patitucci. Were those guys that you were digging? Yeah,
1: definitely. I I liked Christian a lot. And I got to meet him when I was young too. I was like 14 or 15 and Uh. got to meet him at this program. They they do like a week residency in, in, it's called Jazz Aspen. I don't know if they still do it, but they would, they had like five different bands from, you know, all over the
0: country. You should just show them to Jaspin. Yeah, that's good. So I got to like high school bands. Like- they were they were mostly
1: like college and 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 out of college, and the I went with uh, the band leader was Adonis Rose. who's a great drummer from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. He's played he played a lot with like Nicholas Payton and. Um, tons of other people now he's the, the head of the jazz orchestra in new orleans but he put the band together and he's older than me everybody else in the band was like probably in their 30s at the time and they brought another bass player too hmm. an older guy named peter harris who's who's great but i still don't even know why they brought me like i guess he's just like thought that it would be a a good opportunity for me. Spare seat in the bus. Yeah. (laughs) I was just like, it would be good to bring Max and he can meet all. So like, every go
0: and get us some beers and get (laughs) (laughs) coffee. So, oh, and
1: and Jonathan Batiste was in that band. the Keyboards. Pianist. So he was, um, he's not that much older than me, but he was way more advanced than I was. Like, I was just kind of like the understudy, you know,
0: but just it was, soaking it, was, it all up yeah so that was a bit of a pivotal moment then yeah and it was Christian doing the whole like taking the whole thing like how how did that work what was his involvement
1: he was he was I think he was the director artistic director and uh, Wycliffe Gordon was also there um, Jeff mm. Um there was a vocalist named T- Tyranny Sutton in her band Jeff
0: Keyser, he plays set, uh, uh, Keys Keys
1: he plays in christian's band Band, yeah Um, he's on
0: that live at the tonic yeah album yeah oh man
1: yeah amazing (laughs) so i got to meet all those guys and like they were really cool like really nice
0: did were you playing
1: or or like Mm -hmm. yeah yeah they they so it was like kind of a mix of like uh concerts and like workshops you know so like we would have like rehearsals during the day where a band would would play and those guys Christian and and those guys would kind of like critique workshop give pointers and they also had like workshops where they would just you know Wait. set up and talk about a subject or mm. whatever play some music and talk and question and answer you know and it was like maybe five days of that it was it was really awesome man
0: was he on your radar before then did you were you aware of
1: him? I think he was yeah I think I I knew who he was and. Yeah, you know, had, I knew he was a monster. Yeah. You know? But then meeting him was a whole other thing because he was—he's such a nice guy. You know? Yeah.
0: And is a thing. That, one of the things that strikes me is his up, his intonation on upright is just amazing. Yeah. You know, like it's uh, one of them, it must be so hard to play high and fast mm-hmm. <laughs> on upright to begin with, but then for it to be in pitch and improvising
1: yeah and just, and like a, with a huge sound too yeah it clear yeah like every, you can hear every note
0: and then and then like on that live the tonic cd switches to fretless and he sounds legit on um, fretless and switches to you know electric freddy and slapping the shit out of it and you're like this guy's just a master yeah yeah he, he gets all idioms mm-hmm. like he doesn't sound like an upright guy on electric or vice versa he right. said he knows what he's doing oh yeah yeah
1: <laughs> and uh you know I, I mentioned i played with donald harrison mm. and um christian is on one of donald's records when when christian was like 18
0: okay
1: and donald told me that at that time like when when they had rehearsal christian was playing like all this music that, that Donald and Terrence Blanchard had recorded in, in like the 80s, you know, difficult, really intricate, you know, amazing music. Christian was playing it on like every instrument. <laughs> he knew like all he the songs all. on piano, on bass, on drums. Fine. And they weren't even playing that stuff on the gig. <laughs> he just like, he just knew it, you know. Yeah. Because he's just always like practicing and learning and
0: yeah. It's definitely a good role model. Yeah, yeah, hard worker. So, graduating high school, college, or just working?
1: Uh, I went to Berkeley in Boston. Oh, yeah. For how long? Uh, I, it was about three and a half years. So, like, I I graduated. I went through a summer semester mm-hmm. to like get out a little earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a good time though. It's a uh, fun. Yeah, yeah. It's a really. They got an amazing facility and they, and now it's even, it's yeah. probably two or three times what it was when I was there. Yeah. But uh, I actually studied some like production and engineering there. Oh, cool. And that was really cool because there's all these studios that you have access to like pretty much 24 hours a day yeah. to work on your projects and great teachers, um, great like, it was a great way to meet a lot of people that like, I still am in touch with yeah. today, you know. Yeah.
0: Who was your um, base teacher there?
1: I, I studied with a guy named John Lockwood,
0: okay.
1: who was really cool. Um, Dave Buda was another one, and um, John Rapucci was another guy. And they were all very different and, mm-hmm. and cool. Like you could, you could switch every semester if you wanted to, you know, and there was a good number of like teachers to choose from you know yeah. actually lenny Starward, I, I had some lessons with him too okay he was great
0: um yeah how did you go with the uh the climate because uh, obviously it's kind of opposite right oh yeah i was like was it tough
1: my first my first winter there there was like a blizzard and i was like why? people live here Like, <laughs> <laughs> why did they settle here in the first place it was a beautiful thing <laughs> no it is it is <clears throat> I, i'm not that big a fan of the gold <laughs> but i had a good time though
0: so do you like you know in all seriousness do you reckon that i would have had an influence on you maybe moving to new york or whatever
1: um i'm sure it would have actually i lived there for about six months uh, after college, mm-hmm. and New York's amazing. Like, there's so many great musicians. I mean, so many. It's unbelievable how how high like the level is, you know. Yeah. And 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 the just the amount of mm. people too of of high level musicians. But but living there it was like not for me. It was just like
0: too much of a grind.
1: Yeah, I think I think so. Uh, You're a bit more laid back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's you know it's expensive <clears throat> and it's hard. It's a tough. It's a tough place. You gotta like really adjust. But
0: I think it's definitely good to spend some time there and, and see what New York is producing. Like I, I've been there a couple of times just on vacation, and mm-hmm. every time I'm just like, wow, you know, the, you can go out every night that you can be blown away. And there's not many places in the world where you can do that. Mm-mm. You know, walk into the Fifty Five Bar and see Mike Stern playing with Richard Bona, yeah. and then the next night I go and see, you know, Dave Wakel with Gerald Weasley mm-hmm. and then the next night I go and see Lettuce, and then go and see the Village Vanguard Orchestra, and just never ending, you know. Right? Like all these names that you you hear of and you listen to the records, like they're all there mm-hmm. doing stuff. So it's definitely New York's one of those places. That I think if you're serious about Music definitely try and go and spend some time in that city. Yeah, it yeah. helps understand a lot of the stuff that we that we listen to. You know, I think mm-hmm. like that sound. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's 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 a special place. It's mm. like it's definitely like
1: the top of of everything is is happening there. You know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely good to check out. So New York finishes, and you're gonna decide to move back to the warmth of New Orleans yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I moved back and I've been back
1: probably I don't know seven years or so okay yeah
0: and so I mean what's your what's your plan when you're when you're there you're like okay I'm gonna freelance I'm gonna start my own like what's your career path that you're thinking of at this point in time
1: when I move back you yeah know, um, pretty much just uh, whatever I can do to you know make this bass thing work. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, but I, I New Orleans is a good, a good place to live and, and work as mm. a musician, like you were saying, like Melbourne is because there's a scene. Yeah. Um. There's a scene of like great players, and there's a lot of places to play, mm-hmm. and people like music. You yeah.
0: Is an accepted part of the cultural fabric, if you like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um.
1: So like most of, most of my friends in New Orleans are full-time musicians you know and that's it's you know that's i knew that's what i wanted to do was i just want to play i'm not really into like having another job or anything um so for a while i you know just did that and uh for a while i would kind of take like every gig you know uh
0: to get by to build up the network as well yeah meet people mm-hmm. so i mean what are you getting like six nights a week or
1: sometimes I, I would yeah um now i'm playing a lot less but yeah for for a while like like when i was kind of building up mm-hmm. um yeah sometimes it, it'd be almost every night and there's there's like a strip uh a street called frenchman street that's got a lot of music venues mm-hmm. it's not not as famous as bourbon street but it's kind of becoming more that way yep uh but cooler but cooler yes but yeah, now it's it's getting less cool, right? <laughs> and so now <laughs> we're like, okay, what's the next place? Um, but yeah, you you know you could work on that street every
0: night at least. So what? So what? What would have been a typical week for you in New Orleans? Um, I've had a, a regular jazz
1: gig for like seven years or something ever since I moved back with my friend Gregory Ajid. Yeah, he's he's a clarinetist. Who's playing with Michael Bublé now? Uh, the bubble. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that's what we call him too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we so we would play like straight ahead at this club that's um, kind of like we would play during like the dinner kind of time, you know. So pe- people are sitting down eating.
0: Because and- you know you go to Spain and dinner is at like nine o'clock, oh, right. or ten o'clock. So what's dinner time and? In- New Orleans, we seven,
1: yeah, about seven, <clears throat> yeah,
0: like seven and like nine. So, you, background music, or is it like tickets to? It's it's free to get in, yeah, and it's
1: almost background music. It's yeah. kind of like a step above because you know people do tune, tune in and listen, yeah, and um, but they if also like some people don't. They're just like eating and having a conversation and drinking, you yeah. Know? Um, so it's kind of both. Hmm. Um, but uh, so I did a lot of gigs like that, and then a lot of like you were saying, playing with, playing with your friends just for the sake of playing because you want to play some stuff that that you want to play. Yeah. Even if that gig doesn't necessarily like make you money. Yeah. You know. So we'll play at some other, some other clubs that are a little more off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. And you know, just just because we wanted to do our own stuff, you mm-hmm. know. And then a mix of that and like, uh, like wedding gigs, corporate gigs, and also I was I, for like ten years I was uh, Donald Harrison's bass player, so he, you know, will get good gigs on the road mm. also and in like internationally and stuff. So, I got to I got to travel too.
0: Was that electric with him or
1: uh, both? Both. Yeah. So straight straight ahead. <clears throat> oh well, he's got a you know, a lot of different stuff. Mm. A lot, he plays a lot of different styles, so it would be upright and, and electric. And that was really good for me, too, to be able to consistently be playing both.
0: Yeah. yeah. How, how did you go with your moving your upright from, you know, thinking about climate again, from New Orleans to New York? Because that's completely different. Yeah. Did it? explode or you know, I mean, like did you need to Was it all right I think it was okay I if you, from, yeah. from
1: what I, I don't remember any, oh, any well, some, some
0: people you know it's like if it's always been in this humid and, and it goes to like a really dry and cold climate I can mm-hmm. mess with
1: it but also I have a plywood base oh, okay. so it's I think they're a
0: little more uh, yeah more durable They're not gonna move as much yeah <clears throat> what was your um what was your first base uh, it was an
1: Ibanez sound gear four string, cool. Yeah, active. Um, it had active. It had an active EQ. Yeah, yeah, it had an active section. Yeah. And uh, my friend Cliff, the guitar player, he he has it now. He still <laughs> got it. And then when I, I moved up from that one to like a SR four hundred five, the cool. five string version yep. of like the same bass, you know. And I still have that one. Mm-hmm. I played
0: that one for a long time. Um. So what what were you playing when you were in Berkeley? What electric were you playing there? I think I still had that I that had fi- that that
1: five string most of the time, and then I bought like a a Mexican um, Mexican made jazz bass fretless um, uh, for
0: for your jackal licks.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and I I played that one for a while, but eventually like that th- that neck kind of like hmm. gave out. Like I would adjust it, <coughs> and it would just like go back out of whack. Yeah, and so I don't know. It might be something I did from messing around with the truss rod, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I put a, um later I put a Warmoth neck on it, mm-hmm. fretted, and it's it's awesome. I I loved it. You still got it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really, really nice, like jazz bass sound. With maple neck.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. So, would you? I mean, you we were talking earlier on, but you're kind of like a jazz bass. That's your voice, more or less these days. I more electric or?
1: I I I recently got like a a, a semi hollow Warmoth bass that I really like. It's a short scale, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's awesome because it's kind of uh, a mix of like kind of an acoustic sound, you know, like an like an upright, mm-hmm. but it's, it's got also kind of like a like a P bassish sound, yeah, because where the pickup is, and so it's kind of like old school yeah. sounding. So yeah, I mean, it's fun. I think I'm still figuring out like where my voice is.
0: I mean, you just gotta have a palette, right? Yeah, you know, like any artist. Yeah, um, but just usually, yeah, yeah, you know, something that you kind of call home, and then depending on what the gig is, you might take the P bass or the jazz or the fretless whatever
1: right right
0: that's how i look at it anyway you know like my f bass is generally top of the pyramid and then uh-huh. but if it's like you know this is like a real old school r&b gig maybe i'll take the the old you know p bass with dead strings kind of thing so uh-huh. just whatever so it's right you know just to try and serve the music better as, as they say absolutely so apart from that regular um uh, jazz gig you know, what What else might you do in a, in a week in New Orleans um,
1: <clears throat> rock like rock well kind of uh, experimentalish stuff so I'm, I'm here with uh, Sasha Mazikowski mm-hmm. at, at Barry's Basement and her and my friend Cliff the guitarist Cliff Hines they started a band together called Hildegard and it's kind of you know art rock you know slash like electronic Um and it's all it's all their originals. That was like a um you know, that kinda a big part of like my my life for a while. Mm -hmm. Um you know, just playing original stuff with friends. friends, With friends, yeah. And kinda coming up with all kinds of different sounds, like it's not really any they would they would like argue like constantly about what to call it, like what what genre mm-hmm. to call it, you know. So it's kind of not really anything, just like a, a mix of stuff, um, synths,
0: and. Were you rocking a pedal board?
1: Yeah, yeah. Cliff's like a pedal uh, master, so he he like influenced me to get into that world. Ah. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then my friend Chris Royal, he's a saxophonist. I've been playing in his band for a few years. And mm. it's like a kind of funk slash rock, like, slash EDM-ish stuff. He, what does he call it? He calls it, like, space funk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. a fun band. Yeah. yeah, I play a little synth bass in that, too. All right. <clears throat> so, yeah, those, those kind of gigs and then...
0: is there there much kind of latin
1: music set thing down there it's not very big it's like one of the one of the areas that are lacking in new orleans
0: but i mean florida is not far away Mm -hmm. and there's a massive latin scene down there i'm guessing like miami and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. yeah
1: Mm -hmm. yeah for some reason it's it's like there's only a few kind of latin Mm. bands in in new orleans um there's a there's a really great percussionist from cuba named Alexei Marti, and i, I play with him a bit uh he he's got original music and mm. but yeah there's just there's only i can probably count on one hand like at least the, the latin bands that like that i know of yeah there's there's probably more that i don't know but
0: mm.
1: it's just not a, a big part of
0: the country the scene. country gigs
1: no, no I've, I music. I've never, I've never done a country gig, and and that's something I don't see a lot in New Orleans either. Yeah, probably on, on, only on Bourbon Street. There's like a few like country clubs, you know. Right, but um, yeah, it's it's
0: but, a, but the majority of things is going to be in that kind of funky jazz blues mm-hmm. gospel vibe, I guess. In, yeah. in New Orleans, would you be right in thinking that. Yeah, and then
1: also like the the whole. New Orleans R and B kind of thing, um, like fast Domino, or uh, like rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Early rock and roll is like a a big part of Chubby Checker, New Orleans. Yeah, <laughs> but there's 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 a big um, kind of history of like early rock and roll and a whole like piano style to right. from New Orleans, like guys like James Booker or. Um, uh, Professor Longhair, mm-hmm. you've, you've, yeah, you've heard yeah, that yeah. stuff. So that's that's a big deal down there, okay. like uh, playing that kind of music. Yeah,
0: I guess that kind of then fed into like the Southern rock thing as mm-hmm. well. It's yeah, probably cross pollinated. Yeah, know
1: for sure. Like and, and Jerry Lewis, you know, he's from Louisiana. Yeah, right. Yeah, so he's he's kind of that that piano style too.
0: Yeah, and like I mean. Because you, you like you're saying you spent some time on the on the East Coast up in New York, like what what would you say is kind of some of the defining flavors or characters of like music from New Orleans? Mm. For for me, and- yeah, I mean, just like you know, if you hear something, can you be like, yeah, that's that's legitimate new orleans music or right, right, that's right. people playing in the style of like are you able to kind of make that call sure uh the
1: the meters is like a, a huge one sure uh and we
0: just lost um Art yeah, neville. Art neville yeah
1: yeah um so that's that's there's tons of bands in new orleans that are kind of copying that that sound still and i love the meters i think all of those
0: guys are geniuses yeah um uh, it's okay. like it's like four or five guys with just like interlocking parts. As I think of it instead of it being like, you know, like you maybe you think of like rock music, or whatever, as being like layers, mm-hmm. like a sandwich. I hear the meters as just being like this like connected thing, like jigsaw almost, where all the parts just mesh together as opposed to sitting on top of each other. Sure.
1: Man, that's that's a that's a really good way to think about it. A really good analogy. Cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Good night.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I got to play a little with um, Leo Notion the the, the guitar player. Yeah, he's a, he's a, amazing. Um, <clears throat> so that's that's like a, a really big sound. Also traditional jazz, like Louis Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a whole another thing. That you know, there's lots of people that they dedicate their whole life to just that. And and there's lots of musicians that that's pretty much like all all they play, and they play it really well, and and they make good money just doing that, you know? So I've I've done some gigs here and there like that with um, guys like Shannon Powell, who's a great drummer. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, I would like to get more into traditional at some point.
0: But then, like you were saying before, there's these kind of like... Your bands like Big Sam's, Funky Nation, and are Papa Grows Funk, are they from
1: mm-hmm. New Orleans? Yeah.
0: Like that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Like kind of like party rock funk stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a big thing? or
1: It's it's pretty big, yeah. Yeah. And th- there's, there's this club called the Maple Leaf. Maple Leaf, yeah. you heard of it?
0: I've heard of it, yeah, because I've been checking out um, Papa Grows Funk videos, and they're up there. Or... um. Nicky Glaspie mm-hmm. and the uh, Dr- uh, Dumpster Funk Dumpster Funk yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah. I, I feel like that. that's kind of like, <gasps> the, like the evolution of like the meters yeah you know that's like the where that music has gone I know? think so yeah and I, I like playing that stuff too um well, yeah I'm trying to think who have I some gigs like that that I've done but yeah you know yeah, yeah there's a lot of that going on
0: and so when did you kind of i mean your album that you released last year Mm -hmm. Would you want to tell us a little bit about that what's it called and where we can find it and how that came about and sure
1: how you're going to go forward yeah uh yeah the band is called uh neospectric and the album is the same title max moran and
0: neospectric uh um so what is neospectric? I, I, uh, is it a real word? It's not. Okay.
1: Well, it depends on what you call real, right? <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> you take the blue pill.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: But no, it's, it, I made it up um, and I thought of kind of the opposite of retrospective or like a play on that word, you know? So like a new way to look at something or a uh, new perspective. Uh, and I started that band, I actually started it when I was in college, uh, home on break. I was still at Berkeley, but I was like home in New Orleans, you know, during the winter or winter break or whatever. And, uh, yeah, we had, I had a jam session at my friend Cliff's house, well, it was like a party and we were, we just started jamming and it was just so fun. And I just started kind of like getting all these ideas and I was like, man, we should, we should be a band, you know,
0: we should start a band. (laughs) Classic.
1: (laughs) Uh, So yeah, it, it, it took me what, like 10 years to uh, say, okay, I'm going to make a record now, (laughs) you know, and we didn't, we didn't play a lot. You know, we had, I, called up a, a venue and I was like I want to do a gig and mm-hmm. they were like okay and I was like oh shit I got to like, make some music now so I like wrote these tunes and like kind of that was this this gig was kind of like how the band started
0: mm-hmm.
1: I was like if I if I book a gig then I'm going to have incentive to like have to write some music yep. you know it's good <laughs>
0: it's like if you, you know book the studio and you're gonna have to get the tunes finished to record them as well kind of thing as well
1: yep and that's pretty much how that album happened yep. too because i you know i, I might have had two or three that were like kind of done and then the other ones was like okay i gotta i gotta sit down and write okay uh but yeah we we would just play every now and then and it wasn't like for money or anything it was just like i got some stuff that i i want to play and i like playing with these guys Mm -hmm. let's just
0: have fun it's quite it's quite an eclectic vibe on the album like the opening track what's that one called uh uh, all right right Mm -hmm. so that's fairly kind of straight up funk stuff Mm -hmm. and then straight after that the next track is a bit of a left turn Mm -hmm. Uh, much more kind of not fusion, but definitely more jazz-centric. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there on, it's just a continuation of different styles. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it obviously speaks to your broad musical taste and, and all the things you like to do. But how do you approach writing? Is it just whatever comes out, you try and make it sound good? Or was there a direction? Or are you thinking about writing for the guys in the band? Like, How do you go about that? Some Some of all of that. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think uh, yeah, one of the one of the things that's kind of central or consistent throughout all of it is like a groove, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I want this to be kind of groove based, not um, like instead of like straight ahead jazz, you know. Yeah. And I'm and I'm playing electric on the the whole album, so it's like those are the two things that are kind of focal points, like playing yeah. electric, <laughs> playing playing grooves, and also the, like, improvisation, letting everybody else improvise around the groove, but the groove is kind of there and solid, you know? Yeah. Um, which, of course, it's not like I'm the first person to come up with that. But <laughs> but, uh, but that was kind of the,
0: you know... That was the underlying
1: ethos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then in terms of how... The songs are written like they're kind of all all different. Mm -hmm. Some would be like, okay, I like I came up with this bass line, so now I need to put some chords to it. Okay, now I need to put a melody, Mm -hmm. or sometimes the the chords would come first, or sometimes the drum beat would come first. Yeah, and then just like, okay, what what parts are missing? Mm. Let me fix them. come up with those parts.
0: Did you use like um, a doll or anything to to demo stuff up?
1: Yeah Mm -hmm. I think at the time I just used GarageBand because it's just simple. There's
0: sounds in there and you can get an
1: idea of the vibe. Right right you can and it wasn't for for anyone to hear so it wasn't like yeah a big production it was just like very basic will this will these parts work Together, yeah, you're gonna, or not.
0: So, like, how specific were you with like keyboard parts and stuff, or was it like here's a lead sheet, let's play? I mean, or how orchestrated? Because it sounds quite. It sounds some. A lot of it sounds fairly intricate. So I'm just wondering how you know. Did you have Sibelius? Were you scoring things out, or did that occur in the room?
1: It was mostly like lead sheet, right? And and it's like a a, a testament to like how awesome all those players are. The yeah. They they came up with stuff that sounds like parts. It yeah. sounds like they sat down and thought about it and wrote it out, but they they then That's what you want really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So I'm you gonna, can take all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> you could be like, "Oh yeah, I just you know, had like scores and scores of music and <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh i lost them all though so yeah. don't ask to see them yeah. <laughs>
0: the
1: dead scrolls <laughs> but yeah there was every now and then you know uh like the song all right the guitar riff was specific i was like play this guitar riff but that might be the only guitar riff on the whole album that that i was specific mm. about and the rest was you know and then you know the things like the lines that were the melodies or whatever are written out and a lot of the horn melodies were written by chris royal he he would write the melodies and the the, the horn harmonies Mm. um but yeah it was mostly like lead sheets and just playing
0: cool and um you know what's come of it uh, has it opened some doors? Has it been like, you know, now it's been out there for a year or whatever, how do you feel?
1: I feel good, man. I, I was, <clears throat> some cool things that happened. Um, m- mostly I was just like happy to get it done and just be like, okay, it's, it's done. Yeah. This is-
0: was it like a, a week in the studio and then some overdubs or?
1: Yeah, we ha- I think we have four days total. Um, it was like kind of two here, and then two like mm. maybe a couple of weeks later or something, and then I had like a couple of days where I did vocals, much much later at like a smaller studio, mm-hmm. and then one day where uh, Weedy Brahma, he added percussion, and then the features like Donald Harrison and Nicholas Payton they added theirs on like separate days. Yep. So it was it was a long process, but mostly because of my procrastination <laughs> it could have happened a lot quicker but um you know i was just happy to to have something finished and like showcasing like what this, what we've been working on like, mm-hmm. and um but then some cool stuff has happened like i got Uh, a a write-up in Bass Player Magazine. Woo! Well, yeah.
0: You can retire? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Well, front cover is when you can retire, right? If you make it the front cover of Bass Player Magazine, that's that's
1: it. You're on easy street.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Cool. So a write-up favorable? I mean, I I don't think I've ever really seen a bad write-up in Bass Player Magazine. They pretty much just put stuff up there that they think is worthy, so that's cool. No, it was
1: a really, really really great piece favorable. Do, Do you have a
0: publicist I mean or how did that
1: I did work with a publicist right, yeah. for the record um uh there's a guy named Christian de and he's in New York I got him through like I was just asking my my friends like have you used a publicist who did you use do you like them and I just pretty much surveyed like, yeah everybody <clears throat> um and so he was because it
0: kind of has to be somebody that gets the music and the genre and all that kind of stuff as well and mm-hmm obviously this guy did or
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah no, he, he was you know I, I reached out to like several publicists um and he was the only one that
0: got back to me really <laughs> yeah which people was, didn't want your money yeah
1: <laughs> i think people they're like so busy and they're like so swamped with people trying to you know yeah right get them to work for them or whatever and mm. so you know i, I might have got one or two responses that were like we're not accepting anybody and then probably like three to three to four people that didn't respond at all, and this guy like responded and like talked to me on the phone and was like and like listened to the record, and I was like wow yeah, <laughs> so I was like okay, you sound like you care yeah, you know? so I feel much better about like paying you <laughs> <Give> me, <laughs> giving you my money you yeah. Know? And 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 he's and he's done a great job. Because
0: it's one of those things. Is like, you know, you you put all this time and effort into writing it, getting musicians, booking the studio, getting the artwork, you know, creating a, a thing. Mm-hmm. And then and then it's like, well, now what? You know, do you just stick it up on Spotify or Bandcamp and sell CDs at gigs and like that? Then this after you've recorded it, it's almost like that's where the hard work really begins if, if you truly believe in what you're doing and you want people to hear it mm-hmm. um, it's hard these days because there's so much noise out there mm-hmm. you know you get so, so many so many things to compete with that um you know calling on professionals help like a publicist mm-hmm. um i think it's a pretty good idea
1: yeah i think so too uh, it's and if you and if you're not gonna go that route then you gotta be a publicist on your own you gotta like uh, you know, take an inventory of like, okay, who do I know that can help this along? You know, mm-hmm. like my my cousin <clears throat> is a pianist, great pianist, Jason Moran and he said that that was one of the things that he did before he got a publicist it was him and his wife sat down and like made an exp- Excel spreadsheet of like everyone that they could think of that they knew that could help in some way you know where it's like somebody they know that's a radio dj or somebody that works for this magazine or Mm -hmm. maybe i don't know maybe just somebody that has a lot of money and likes funding
0: (laughs) things you know yeah yeah. likes wasting it on (laughs) 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 jazz (laughs) on jazz yeah
1: (laughs) so if you if you're not gonna like hire someone to do that then you get it's i think that's a good thing to do is do that yourself but yeah I, I didn't want to do that because <laughs> that's a that's a, a whole job you know yeah so yeah.
0: and then you know then you're gonna do the whole social media thing you gonna do the YouTube videos and the promo and all that kind of stuff um, I noticed that you had some kind of little interview clips up there about the album was that your idea or yeah it yeah. was
1: yeah <clears throat> I, I had seen um, you know loads of other artists do that but one of nick payton it kind of inspired me to do that Mm -hmm. because i i really i love him um i love his his music and uh his album into the blue i remember he had done that he had like a. this was kind of the the beginning of like podcasts and like web Mm -hmm. series and stuff and he had you know on his website like these little interviews explaining like every song and i really liked that you mm-hmm. know? not just um not just because it's like smart marketing but like i really enjoyed it as like it adds, value, listener.
0: To the, adds val- added value to the end product i guess
1: yeah yeah and and i liked hearing you know his thoughts on like this is what the song was about or this yeah. is how we made it or whatever you know
0: i think people really people really like that like getting a little bit of that human connection. Mm -hmm. I think that's why people like going to gigs because they can see the artist in the flesh and there's a bit of, you know, back and forth between the artist and the audience. And sometimes it can be difficult to do that online with videos or whatever, like, unless you're actually, you know, like, like this scenario where you're just, like, talking as you would normally in real life. And people really seem to want and expect more of that these Hmm. days from artists I think with like Twitter and Instagram is just like you can see all of everybody's life all the time yeah you know and and that's just what people want they they don't they don't just want your music they want to know what you had for breakfast and they want to know you know uh, what car you drive and they want to know all this kind of stuff or maybe not necessarily they want to know but um they enjoy feeling part of that more a part of that artist's life than they normally would be if they just had the record I think mm-hmm. so that's just how much you're willing to give away yeah
1: yeah and that's that's one of the big questions that's one of the things that like kind of freaks me out about social media is mm. that like I'm kind of I'm kind of introverted and and private so like telling everybody what I had for breakfast and you know, Every day and telling everybody everything, is just like a little too much for me.
0: For sure. <laughs> but then there must be a, a happy medium, right?
1: Right, right. Where you can
0: keep it professional Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. some extent. Yeah, you know.
1: So that's been more of the route that I have wanted to go. Like most of my most of my posting is like just about base music, you
0: know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Instead of like my personal life. Yeah, um, but people. Eventually, you know, once you get to be the jazz superstar, people, people <laughs> want to get that inside scoop. Yeah. I guess <laughs> <Just> get ready. <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's talk a little bit about gear and stuff like that. Um, what's your general rig and setup that you use these days? Um, I,
1: I would play... Uh, one of my main basses is this bass, the Cruise bass that I was talking about. C-R-E-W-S. There. are um, from japan mm-hmm. i have like a five string that i really like and then uh um, aguilar um uh, tone hammer 500 mm-hmm. and mostly i use a, a 112 the sl 112 nice and light yeah and, and, and they sound great and that <clears throat> that is that's my setup for almost every gig i do in new orleans like in town mm. um club gigs and stuff mm-hmm. yeah and then I, I have a 410 too uh sl410 cool Went, uh for something that's a little bigger or you know
0: outdoor stages kind of thing
1: mm-hmm. but yeah so that's it's it's great it's it's like you, you it's, were
0: saying that you're an angular artist mm-hmm do you use any of their pedals or pickups and stuff as well?
1: I do. Yeah, I have their their pickups in that uh, in several bases actually. I got their Super Double is in is in my uh, Super Double with fries. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, got the, I got the Super Double with with fries <laughs> in in my uh, in my uh, <clears throat> semi hollow body. Okay, it sounds awesome. Uh, and then I have the 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 soap bar pickups are in, in my five string and the the um, OBP
0: three preamp. Yep, just killer. That's a pretty powerful preamp. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. It's great. Yeah, um,
1: a lot of like flexibility in the tone mm. and powerful. Like you said, it's it's loud. I mean, I think uh, yeah, I yeah have like their PJ set in this little um Ibanez uh the the Talman bass you he those Oh yeah. I have a short scale one of those that's cool. It's really fun. That's a really like well made instrument for like 180 bucks.
0: <laughs> Ibanez mean, you can't yeah Ibanez mean just they make good stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh and I yeah I have the filter twin mm-hmm. Aguilar pedal. That's, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And I have I I use um, Mad Professor um, Overdrives? um the phaser, their phaser, yeah. Uh, they they uh I met I met them at NAM. Okay. So I'm an artist of theirs as well. Cool. Yeah. Um, I got a handful of other pedals and stuff too, uh, like a Big Muff Pie, the the fuzz. Hmm. Um. Carbon copy delay. Um, should I go on or is this like boring? You're no, this is, this is I'm
0: just like, ah, oh, i have got to check some of these out. Yeah.
1: The the delays uh you know, that's like a standard delay that pre- yeah. yeah. Um what else? Uh I re- I like um Earthquaker devices. Yeah. I got their chorus, the C machine. <laughs> I think it's cool. Cool. Um it can it goes from like normal kind of um you know standard chorus to like freaky weird, freaky weird stuff and yeah. stuff um the mxr octave mm-hmm. deluxe i like that one um i think that's about it oh and i have some of these like small pedals by a uh,
0: hotone oh yeah um, i never know how you say that is it hot one i don't know hot tone that's a good hot
1: I got one of their uh, reverbs and a, hmm. and a, and a looper. Oh, yeah. Cool.
0: Yeah. Because they're tiny, aren't they? are tiny they are like
1: that yeah. size? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're sweet. Yeah. The looper is really cool, too. It has like a feature that I don't really see on other loopers. You can slow down or speed up like what you what Like you a, a variable
0: need. amount or mm-hmm. a set amount?
1: It's variable, yeah. It, ch- it changes the pitch, too. <clears throat> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but I, I've if, got the um the Ditto X2 mm-hmm. and that has like a a half speed function. Mm-hmm. So which is pretty neat because you can use it in two ways. You can you can either record it normal and then flip it half speed, which drops it an octave, mm-hmm. or you can record it at half speed and then flip it to normal and that pitches it up mm-hmm. an octave, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. But uh, but it's not available, it's just a set half mm-hmm. or normal. So yeah. Yeah. That's Sweet. pretty cool. Um Cool. Well, what, what's coming up for you? What's next after, um, once you go back home to New Orleans? Let's see. I have, I got a couple more gigs with, with Sasha Mazikowski
1: mm-hmm. in, in California, and um, been, I've been working more on writing. Uh, so in the next maybe month or no, probably like two months. I don't know. I'm going to start. Six months. <laughs> Six million. <laughs> eventually,
0: <clears throat> this is this is on camera. You know, <laughs> it's, it's there you better give yourself. <laughs> <It's>,
1: that's <laughs> good. It's gonna hold me accountable. Yeah. Uh, eventually, I'm gonna start writing for another neo-spectric record. Cool. And I got kind of general ideas of like where I want to go with it. And i right now. I'm starting to work on uh, making music for like TV and and movies. Mm-hmm. Just like s- sequencing like orchestral stuff. Cool. uh maybe to submit to libraries or uh, to shop around Some, in.
0: supplemental income mm-hmm.
1: exactly yeah and and i've been taking lessons in with composition from a guy named roger dickerson who's okay amazing in new orleans so that's kind of where i've been for the past years just working more on, yeah. on writing
0: like composition lessons always interest me like i, I would have no idea how to Approach teaching that maybe for a complete beginner, mm-hmm. but for somebody who can already Write I wouldn't really know where to start in terms of trying to help somebody compose better because it's such a Personal thing, but obviously there's sure. like techniques and tools and stuff that you might not know about that you can help So I mean maybe tell us a little bit about some of those lessons and how that's helped you. Yeah, he's um y-
1: You're so right. It's like it's it's like how do you tell somebody how to write because it's it's personal. So his approach is, um, we've worked on some kind of technical things like uh, counterpoint exercises, you know, Mm -hmm. where he'll give me like certain rules, you know, you need to make a line, but you can't, it's called a canis firmus, Um, so you, you know, you can't repeat an interval you can't um have any triads like three notes in a row can't be a triad you can't um uh, let's see you've got limited you range yeah you can't like have more than an octave between two yeah. notes so there's all these rules and restrictions but what that kind of forces you to do is not think in a way that you've thought before because you can't think about tonality really yeah. Uh, or uh, using a certain scale or a certain chord, or mm-hmm. you know, so it's kind of like getting your getting your mind outside of the box, and then which is really good
0: for composing because oftentimes I don't know about you, but I end up kind of writing the same grooves and the same chord progressions a lot, you know. And you go, ah, oh, I need something different. Totally. So giving yourself boundaries can actually free you up, you know. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. So it, and
1: and then uh, his his kind of input is mostly like he you know his 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 goal is to just get you to get out whatever you're trying to get out. So you know uh, he's not trying to make you make you write a certain way. Okay. But he might listen to it and be like, "Well, have you considered this? You know, or like this part here." um you know maybe you've like you've done that long enough like maybe now you need to go somewhere else Mm. you know or so just kind of you know the technical side gets gets real with the the exercises the counterpoint and everything that's you know very strict and rules but then when i'll bring in a piece that i've written Mm -hmm. it's kind of like no rules you know and
0: and very like that's cool just have somebody to kind of bounce ideas off and without any pressure
1: right right yeah and just uh yeah his 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 approach is just trying to get help help you to get yeah what get out what you're trying to say
0: I, i guess in some regard it's similar to playing bass you know you you learn the rules you learn your scales you learn your chords arpeggios you learn bass lines exactly as they are, transcribe, whatever, and then you make your own, which yeah. is free. So it's like you're playing, you're colouring in within the lines and learning the, staying, staying within the rules, and then, then you get the freedom once you've got those skills and those tools to kind of make what you want with it. So I guess it is kind of paralleled with playing an instrument to some extent. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's good. Gonna... Cool, man. Um, Good chat. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for fun. having me. Yeah. Ah, thanks for coming over. Um it's been been really cool to, to hear about you know, playing in New Orleans and what that's like and um, your approach to to, to music is is really cool. Yeah. Thanks, man. Um, thanks. if people wanna check out your music or find out more about you, where's a good place to go?
1: Um, my Instagram is at Maxmo Bass, M A X M O B A S S, and uh, if you look up my name, Max Moran and Neo Spectric, mm-hmm. we're on like Spotify and there's some things on YouTube. Um, Sp- you know, all the Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp. I think there's a Bandcamp. I think there's a Bandcamp so. Okay. And the and the record label is is called Bubble Bath Records. Cool. And they're um. It's friends of mine. The guitar player in the band is is one of the owners of the label. And they've got like uh, probably almost 30 different New Orleans bands. It's all, all, all New, New Orleans. Orleans bands, but all different genres. Mm. And so you can, you can find our music from their website also. You're
0: involved in a few different bands on that label probably?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Greg uh, like my friend Greg the clarinetist yep. and then the guitar player's got his own album that we're working on now yeah um so yeah really really cool label they're trying to like showcase you know what what is New Orleans music today today because yeah. it's it's you know and it's it's it's
0: all kind of different stuff yeah, yeah. cool awesome thanks man thank you appreciate man. it I appreciate you thanks Everybody. <laughs> Take, Take care. This.